In the late noughties, the Fate of the Jedi novel series continued to push the adventures of Luke Skywalker and co. into the future, and introduced new adversaries in a long-lost tribe of the Sith, cut off from the galaxy since the Great Hyperspace War. The tribe's backstory would eventually be told in a collection of short stories, but a 2010 novel gave us our first glimpse of the Great Hyperspace War in prose, the events that led to the tribe's isolation, and some bona fide time travel in the galaxy far, far away. That novel was cross-current, and we're going to talk about it today. You're listening to Legends in 15 Minutes from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Hello and welcome to Legends in 15 Minutes from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. I'm Johnny Maynard, your host for today, but as ever, I'm not alone. I'm never alone. Thank goodness. I am joined by Legends aficionado and all-round Star Wars champ, Chessie Gardner. How are you doing today, Jess? Pretty good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. It's always good to chat to you, Jess. It feels like we haven't talked in a while, uh, considering I've been off on holiday for a bit and taking some time out. Yeah, I was on holiday before that too. I saw that. So I went uh, went camping. Read actually read the book again just for this. Yeah, did you take to, did you take this novel on holiday with you? I did. I took it with me. Super, super. That was that was what I did. Sat around the camp and read this. It, it sounds quite a job. Sounds like perfection. Um, let's give the folks listening some context. We're talking about Cross Current, uh, published in January 2010 and written by Paul S. Kemp. Uh, this was Kemp's first Star Wars novel and was followed by, in Legends at least, two short stories, uh, The Novel Deceived, which is a, an Old Republic tie-in, and Riptide, which is a direct sequel to Cross Current. Uh, in the canon era, he's given us the novel Lords of the Sith and one short story so far. Uh, in terms of timeline and and plot, uh, Cross Current straddles two points in the Legends timeline. Uh, much of the first act takes place during the Great Hyperspace War, around 5,000 years BBY. Uh, there, or, or should we say then, uh, he meet, uh, we meet Jedi Master Relin Dreur and his Padawan Drev as they pursue Relin's previous Padawan, Sayez, who has fallen to the dark side and now commands a Sith starship. That tale is intercut with a story set 41 and a half years after the Battle of Yavin, uh, so shortly after the Legacy of the Force series and just before the fate of the Jedi series. Here we meet Jaden Kor, a Jedi racked with guilt over his actions in war and called by a Force vision to a remote moon in the far reaches of space where he investigates a mysterious beacon. Jaden is joined by scoundrelish scavenger Kedron Fall and his first mate, the cool-headed Syrian mathematics genius Mar Idi Shael. Uh, both tales collide when a hyperspace disaster brings the sort of Moby Dick-esque conflict between the ancient Jedi and Sith into the middle of Jaden's investigation. There's quite a lot going on there. Um, so, Jesse, you've read the Tales of the Jedi prequel comics that cover the Great Hyperspace War, right? I did. I read those last year for the first time. Oh, so you were relatively new to them um, just last year? Yeah. Mm. Uh, so what were they yeah. like for you were you fond of them oh definitely the, the tales of the Jedi Old Republic era is I, I don't want to say it's my favorite era of Star Wars because I think I always say that whenever I talk uh -huh. about a particular era but 
it's visually just so striking and so different. I, I love that era. Yeah. And I had read the Sith, the Sith, I don't know, not the Sith War, the Tales of the Jedi, and then the sequel to Tales of the Jedi, the Sith Lords. Yes. And so I was familiar with kind of what was going on in the history. And I, I had missed the comics the first time around, and I read them up during um, lockdown or during COVID. Yeah. Just so. Yeah, super. So those were um, the original Tom Vetch run uh, of Tales of the Jedi, uh, which introduced sort of Ulic Quell drama and Nomi Sunrider and that lot. And then obviously the, the Sith War run with sort of Exar Kun, this Jedi who falls to the dark side. Yeah. Had you read all those a long time ago? Were they sort of nostalgic favorites for you or? Oh, they, yeah. Uh, I read, my dad actually brought home the audio dramas. Ah. We, we rented them from Blockbuster Video. Yeah. And um, that was my experience with Tales of the Jedi. He brought those home and says, hey, son, you know, let's sit down and read this or listen yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, I got the, the anthology and read them, read them for the first time last year. Yeah. But I had listened to them. Got and it. I think I'd picked them up and perused them at mm -hmm. some point. I was very familiar with the story, but not necessarily with um, the whole the whole thing. Yeah, got you. But 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 certainly the those prequel novel those prequel stories then about the great hyperspace war, the golden age of the Sith, fall of the Sith Empire that that was kind of relatively new anyway. Um, so it was, yeah. yeah. Um, how did you enjoy reading about that era then in prose? here because th th i guess this is why we're slotting cross current into the into this point in our sort of journey through the legends timeline even though it straddles these two points in time it's one of the few bits of prose that we've got that actually takes place during the great hyperspace war how did you enjoy reading about that in prose here oh i enjoyed it so much like paul s camp really captures the feel and you know when i was reading it i was very it's very descriptive and very visual i could see like the art style coming through and like learning about the hyperspace where i go oh this is gonna you know this is gonna lead into this and that's gonna lead into that and it just tickled me all of the all of the this book has a million different connections yeah i i enjoyed it um it, it's interesting that some of it feels quite similar and some of it feels a little a little different. Um, I, I loved seeing um, them acknowledge thing, just little details like the the ancient lightsabers. They need power packs, you know. At, at that point in the comics, oh, yeah, you know, the, the the lightsabers that the Jedi use uh, are connected to these sort of big bulky power packs on their belts or whatever, um, because I guess they they require a lot of juice and they haven't perfected yet the technology to make it all run just off you know a crystal and a battery or whatever whatever goes on inside your average lightsaber these days, <laughs> you know. Um, just those little things, were yeah, quite interesting. Did did you notice anything else that really stuck out to you as sort of similar or or different? I nothing really stuck out. The Lingam crystals. I meant to look into that, and I actually didn't. Yeah, I didn't so, know if they showed up anywhere else, but that. Yeah, so lignin crystals here seems to be this sort of a special crystal that's particularly powerful or strong in the dark side of the force, or 
exudes or and or amplifies people's dark side connection to the force and uh uh the the fallen jedi say is here it, it sort of starts the novel by mind destroying a moon basically to get his hands on large quantities of this stuff and, and he's on a mission for dark lord nagasada during the great hyperspace war to get vast quantities of this lignin crystal um to, to weigh in on the battle of kirek which is again another callback to to the comics um and of course there's a as as Folk who have read a bit wider around the, this era will probably know, and, and certainly folk who have read the Fate of the Jedi series will know that, that there's a crossover here with um, another ship, another mining ship that is on the sea. The Omen. Yeah, the, the yeah. Omen. So Say is, is in charge of the Harbinger, and uh, we also have uh, another character, Caution, or, who is in charge of the Omen. And um, they're both harvesting this lignin crystal, and they're both caught up in this hyperspace cataclysm um but they're set off in very different tra- trajectories um caution and the omen will go off and uh, uh their story is followed up in the lost tribe of the sith short stories which has consequences for the fate of the jedi series set 40 plus years after the, after the return of the jedi uh, but here say is uh, when this hyperspace cataclysm happens factoring in the sort of the lignin crystals and all this dark side potentiality somehow uh, and i think for the first time only in, in star wars certainly in the legends timeline we we have some we have time travel <laughs> and they end up in i think it might be the only i, I, I mean I, yeah you know legends better than i do jess but I, i'm pretty sure that that's right uh, it, it... Yeah, I think it's definitely the only one in the novel. Yeah, I, my weakness is in the comic books. Yeah, and they end they they end up basically forty one and a half years after the Battle of Yavin. Um, yeah, and and, and I, I want to talk about that section of the story as well. But, but but before we get there, I had just noted a couple of things which I thought were interesting changes from the hyperspace war that we saw in those comic books. Um, the big one is that the Sith have lightsabers here, and they didn't. Oh, that's they right. didn't in. Oh, no, I, I don't know if you've if you've had a chance to listen to the chat that Alex and I had about those comics a couple of weeks ago. I did, yeah. Um, and that that whole aesthetic that that, that Alex was talking about, this almost a Conan the Barbarian in space, Hyborian yeah. age, and yeah, it's all magic. And swords and pikes. And but, but I, I had I had to double check that I was I was reading this rereading this book in preparation for our chat and you know Sayez has a lightsaber and I'm like, hmm, I, that, that's interesting. Although neither 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 I'm talking to you about it. I wonder if that's just because he's a fallen Jedi. Although he, he was a Jedi. Right? He's a fallen Jedi. Yeah. So I guess that's why he has a lightsaber. Yeah, I think his saber is red though. Yeah. I think he has a Sith lightsaber. I think that's actually mentioned. And at this point in the legends, <laughs> certainly at this point in the legends lore, they hadn't established that lightsaber blades were made red by making the crystal bleed. I, I, I may be mistaken. That. I think that, that, that's a that's a canon idea, right? That's a canon idea. Yeah, in legends, the lightsabers are red because the crystal is artificial. Yeah. So that's like they use a, a natural crystal is never red. Yeah, and that's how they know. That's the difference between Jedi and Sith in Legends. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I guess you could still say, well, he had his Jedi lightsaber. He has the the know how. All he has to do yeah. is go out and find yeah. the artificial crystal to make. But but why would he bother? <laughs> I guess. 
Yeah, is, is the question. <laughs> um, another interesting thing I noticed was that uh, he, the, they used the word Padawan here. Uh, so Relin oh, has a Padawan, um, and uh, Sayez was Relin's former, former, Padawan. former Padawan. And I guess this is the first time that we'd had a story set in this era that had been written after the prequel films had dropped, and, and terminology like Padawan existed, you know? So certainly there was never yeah. any talk of a Padawans, or even the word apprentice isn't really bandied around very much in that era certainly not in those comics maybe later in the in the sort of tales of the jedi comics proper where you've got sort of usually a bunch of a a bunch of jedi in training apprentice to one master uh, as we see with sort of ulik paldrama and and co um but i thought that was interesting and i guess the the other thing for me is it it sort of it feels a bit like 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 a longer conflict you know in the comics it feels like it all takes place within a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I guess here, yeah. there's certainly, there's been enough contact between the Sith Empire and the Republic for certainly this Jedi to fall, say is, to fall to the dark side and kind of at least rise some way through the ranks in the Sith hierarchy, you know? So, Literally, he's in command of the Harbinger. Yeah. So it, it can't so yeah. so, so nobody. While all of the things that are referenced, the Battle of Kerrick and various events tied back to things from the comic book, it certainly implies a, a war that kind of maybe has been going on for a little bit longer, which is interesting. And I you know it almost made me want them to kind of go back and then soft reboot that whole era in more prose. You know, I would have been really interested to kind of get more of that yeah. stuff. But um, th- this is more or less all we have. That was pretty late. It was pretty late in the game. That might have been in, you know, they might have been thinking about that. Yeah, so. quite possibly. I mean, we, we, get a little bit, we get a little bit more of a taste of it in sort of the, the first of those short stories in The Lost Tribe of the Sith when we see some of yeah. these events through the eyes of what's going on with the Omen crew. Um, and again, again, but, sort of all of that stuff with, with those characters in The Lost Tribe of the Sith, it, it, it implies a sort of slightly more expanded version of this conflict um, one way or another. But I, I would love to have seen them explore that in prose and unpack that a bit more. But um, yeah, if they had a plan to do so, I guess that would have been cut short by the reboot. Yeah. But let, let's think about um, the other part of this story, um, 41 and a half years after the Battle of Yavin. So um, all of the folk we've met in the ancient past, wibbly wobbly timey wimey, as the doctor would say that they've wound up in the sort of the far, their far future, the sort of the then present day of the, the, the sort of the expanded universe novels, um, just sort of in between legacy of the force and fate of the Jedi. And here we meet, um, this Jedi Knight called Jaden core. Now Jaden was first introduced in a computer game, I think called Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. Yeah. And then he, he, pops, he pops up Jedi in Academy. Yeah. He pops up in legacy of the force. We get, we hear a bit about that here. Um, there's sort of something traumatic has happened to him during the, the war. He's almost an NPC in the battle. He's kind of mentioned that he's there. Right. And you get a good look at him. You're like, Oh, Hey, he's from the game. And is he an NPC in the game? No, he's your main character you, you create. Is he? Yeah, he's. they do him so much better than they do Revan. I'm just going to throw that out there. Okay. Jaden Core kind of still feels like Jaden Core in this yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. 
And um, but no, in the book, betrayal that they're talking about the event with Centerpoint Station. Yeah, they just kind of mentioned that Jaden Core is over there doing this, and that's right. all you really get out of him. Okay, so so, and so then it's not you like he's a big you know, he's not like he's a big bit of that book no, as that book was. He's not a big bit in that okay, series. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. He was well, just a name drop for people like me to go. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then later, you get the book, and like, oh wow. And that's yeah. Like, a few years later, you get a geeky author like Paul S. Kemp who says, "I see some dots. I really want to connect. I'm going to do this." Yeah. Um. Okay. So, what happens to Jaden then in, the, in that legacy of the Force book, betrayal? He, he's particularly traumatized by something he's had to do in that battle. Basically, he ends up um, having to space a whole bunch of people out of an airlock, some of whom may indeed have been yeah. non-combatants, and he sort of he ends up doubting whether he's really a Jedi or if there's a bit of a Sith about him. So kind of where, where we pick him up, where we where we pick up with him in this novel, um he's in a pretty grim place. How did you did, did you did you enjoy his story here? I did. I, I enjoyed like I I like to see people coming back from bad places. Like I don't really like yeah. to see I don't necessarily like to see them really down and in the dumps, but Yeah. You know, life, life has its ups and its downs, and it's not always going to be up. And it's sometimes it's good to find a character in, in a downward spot and then watch as the events that are going on help them kind of yeah. get over it and move forward. Yeah. And we, and we do, yeah, we kind of get that here with Jaden. And it, it, it's, it feels sort of touch and go, actually, doesn't it, through most of the book? You know? <laughs> it um, does, yeah. You know, you know, he he he's sort of constantly thinking and worrying about sort of the, the tingle of Sith lightning on his fingertips, and you know, it, it, it's all very palpable and real to him, and he genuinely doesn't know where he fits in, um, and, and whether maybe there's is it possible to be somewhere in the middle, or or is that dangerous in itself, or you know, and one way and another through I guess the people he meets here, he he, he finds a bit of, he, I guess he finds his place. You know, and he and he realizes yeah. he's got he's got something important to do, which to to your point, I think was really nice to read for a change because so often, I guess, with Jedi, we're so used to oh, this guy's gonna fall, <laughs> you know, yep, um, and it's that journey. And this is shortly after the fall of Jason Solo too. Yeah, and so that's got to be on his mind because he's from that generation. They all look to Jason as yeah. kind of like the Luke Skywalker figure. And then he fell in the second civil war. And so a lot of the younger Jedi, like Jaden, they're looking at him and going, Oh no, you know, yeah. our hero, look what, look what happened. And they, they followed him. Like no one would have guessed that Jason had turned or was on the path of the dark side when they yeah. went after center point station. Yeah. And so they, they, all of these people, he said, go do this. And they followed him because, you know, he was Jason. And then you're like, Oh, look what I've done. So it was a really interesting kind of idea for that era. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, have, I'm know, really looking forward to question it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back into more of that era, actually. Um, reading this novel made me want to switch up my reading schedule and get back to post-Return of the Jedi Legends as soon as possible, actually. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to do that. So, um, 
yeah, there was, there was a lot in here that really intrigued me and made me realize, no, I've, I've just got to knuckle down and, and get properly caught up with all of that stuff. Um, so while Jaden, I guess, it, 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 there's a hopeful outcome for him here and he, he ends in a pretty good place. But, you know, events do take a pretty dark turn at one point and he, he makes some pretty oh, yeah. grim discoveries at this Thrawn era Imperial research facility on the moon um, that he's investigating. I mean, it almost felt to me slightly um, reminiscent of some of the, the more horror-inflected stuff that we've got in things like oh, yeah. Dead Harvest or, or Death Troopers. Do you, do you like that kind of stuff? I did. I really enjoyed Red Harvest and Death Troopers. I I was really surprised that I did, because when I first heard about it, I went, no, no, yeah. no. And then I listened to it and went, oh, wow, that was good. <laughs> yeah. Both of those books are a ride. I really enjoy them. Yeah. I remember um, Death Troopers. It's shorter. It's only like six and a half hours, the audiobook. Yeah. So I just did it. And I went, oh, wow. Yeah. And just kind of stayed up one, one spooky night. And that's a very vivid memory. Okay. Just, yeah, I love the good spooky horror stuff in my Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, and, and did did, did and, you like the all, all the spooky stuff here with this rather grim... This was a rather grim aftermath of a massacre that Jaden uh, discovers here. Yeah, I, I did. It was pretty awful. I mean, they took a character I really kind of liked in uh, the Cam Solisar. I had kind of forgotten that it was his evil clone going around, yeah, doing bad things on that moon. Yeah, and, and that yeah. was interesting because I think that's. Oh no, we had seen other Jedi clone Jedi with Sabio. I was like, I don't think we'd seen a clone yeah. Jedi before. And then I went, Oh yes, we did. Way back in the beginning. Let's not forget Luke as well. Oh yeah, Luke. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just had that an extra vowel somewhere. Plot, terrible name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I, at well, least was... we didn't get Kum Solasar instead. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, oh, ra- random extra vowels thrown in just to make a point. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to talk about some of the other characters because I, I actually enjoyed quite a lot of the characters in this book. Um, Kedron Fal and Mar Idi Shael. Uh, what about these guys? I mean, they've got some pretty good chemistry and banter for a couple of scoundrels of the week. Um, I, don't, I don't know what you felt. I definitely got shades of a particular pop culture influence on the way that they were written. And I kind of wondered if you picked up on the same thing. Oh, I, I didn't. To tell you the truth, when I was reading it, my brother is an accountant. And mm-hmm. Very, very mathematically minded. And I'm... Yeah kind of the gambler card player type. And I'm like, oh, this is me and my brother. And oh, um, that's where I went with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, just I love went, that. Okay. And I, I love didn't... that. But go, go, what's the pop culture reference? Do you know Firefly? I do. Yeah. Wow. So th- there, oh, are yeah. Mul- there are multiple references here in the way that Kedron Fall talks. When he talks about flying in space, he talks about flying out in the black. Which is a straight yeah. lift from the language of Firefly. At one point, it he even talks about he even talks about the verse. At one point, using the verse as a short oh, verse. Yeah, there was there's one instance of it because I was kind of on the alert for it this time around, having kind of twigged onto the in the black thing, and those sort of crew meetings that they have around the dinner table, the dining table on the ship. That's, yeah, that's true. You know, I didn't the, think about that. No, it just, yeah, it, it sort of feels like he's quite, you know Paul S. Kemp. He thought well okay, they are sort of scoundrels of the weak characters, and we've had a billion and one of those in Legends at this point. What sort of mm-hmm. shorthand can I think of to 
let people know exactly who these guys are. And I kind of think he's just gone there. You know, he sort of pushed it and risked it. Can I be this obvious with my references? You know, and it kind of works. I mean, yeah. Kedron doesn't feel like Mal Reynolds particularly, but that sort of... No, he doesn't. The banter that they have... But I can have, see it, yeah. The banter that they have where, you know, they anticipate what the other is going to say or needs the other one to say in a confrontation with other people, all of that stuff. Felt... It's very Joss Whedon Firefly it, it dialogue. Is, I hadn't it? thought it is, about that. It? And I, kind of, I love it that is. I'm like, I don't mind that it's kind of a straight lift. It wasn't so heavy-handed that I didn't enjoy the characters in, on their own merits anyway. You know, the, the, they are both their own characters, and um, they both have interesting arcs, you know, in and of themselves. They, they aren't just sort of a, this is Malcolm Reynolds and one of the Firefly crew, you know. Um, yeah. The other character that I find really interesting here is this... Um, and I, I didn't even mention him in, in the sort of pressy of the uh, of the plot because there's so much going on here. Um, oh, I so know the assassin. Jaden, yes. So, so Jaden is on this mission because he's felt this. He's had this force vision that draws him to this remote moon with this, this distress signal. The Sith have also picked up on this as well, and they the one Sith. are still out somewhere in the unknown regions. And Cor- I think they're in Korriban. They're on Korriban. They're the one Sith. At this point, you have the Lost Tribe who are one place on Kesh, and you have the one Sith yeah. who are led by Crate on Korriban. And the one Sith send out the Anzati assassin. The, the Anzati, uh, we've seen them elsewhere as a species. Tales of the Moss Eisley Cantina. Well, I didn't realize that, actually, because I've not, I've still not read That's... that anthology of short stories. Oh, you haven't? Oh, my goodness. That, no, that... Oh. I've just picked up. Oh, my goodness. I know. I've just picked up a, a, an old paperback copy of it. Yeah, you're talking about the pipe-smoking guy. Uh, the, the yeah. The pipe-smoking guy in the oh. cantina, right? Yeah, he's um, he's out for Obi-Wan's um, soup. Oh, is I, he? I didn't mention soup. Yeah. He's after Obi-Wan. Short story is called Soup's On, the pipe smoker's tale. Yeah. It is, yeah. So He's soup, after, yeah, soup is an interesting idea. Yeah. So, so these Anzati, they, they are sort of slightly vampiric, but they feed on what they call soup, which is basically people's brains, right? I think they feed on the force that's in your brain. They definitely oh, eat your brain, Oh, that's though. brilliant. Because <laughs> so, that's but... not made as clear in, in this book. Um, because no. this guy, the, 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 this character in this book, also has something other, something something else quite special going on with him. So not only does he feed on the soup of sentient brains um, and sort of the force in their brains, using these sort of retractable proboscis hidden in his cheeks, but he he sort of sees the line what we, what he calls the lines of fate. Um, yet the words for them in the book is the day and nossi. Uh, he can sort of attune his vision to see all the fate lines in the universe and where where his fate lines are leading him and where other people's fate lines are leading um, as a way of leading him to his ultimate destiny, uh, which he thinks is he, he's going to have revealed to him when he feeds on the soup of a particular Jedi. And unfortunately for Caden, Jaden Kaur here, um, Kel Duro, the name of this is Anzati, he thinks that he needs to feed on, on Jaden's soup. Um, what do you make of this guy as, as a character? I loved him. I guess he was probably my favorite callback. Like, we've had Sith, we've had bounty hunters, you know, we've had all of this stuff. And they probably, they found, what, at that point, I would say the creepiest type of character that we had. 
and they threw him at Jaden. Yeah. And like I said, I my yeah. that Tales of the Moss Eisley Cantina was one of the first Star Wars books that I'd read. I'd read the Thrawn uh-huh. and I'd read uh, the Thrawn trilogy and then went and read that very first one that they wrote, Split Through the Mind's Eye. And then it was Tales of the Moss Eisley yeah. Cantina. And that, that soup song tale really sticks yeah. out. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading that short story now because I find this guy really creepy and probably the most interesting one-and-done villain that I've read, in certainly in Legends and, and maybe in any Star Wars, actually. He's a really great character and just super imposing, um, a genuine threat. To, to your point, you know, he's not your run-of-the-mill bounty hunter or Sith or whatever. He's almost more dangerous. Yeah, yeah. You know, he is a callback to some other stuff that we have seen before, and I do recall seeing others of his species in the, the Star Wars Republic comics. With, I think it was maybe a, a Quinlan Voss run, um, uh, one of John a- John Ostrander's Quinlan Voss stories. But, oh, that's right. Yeah, there was a Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. He. Yeah. Oh, um, I need to go back and revisit that. Was but again, it's been it's been at least seven or eight years since I've read that, so it's really my memory of it is really weak but as written here in prose it was genuinely fascinating genuinely disturbing um conscious of the time because there's so much to talk about in this book we've talked already for about half an hour um what what are my final thoughts on this one then for you jesse overall i mean how does it work for you in terms of how it brings the great hyperspace war back to the forefront and then how does it work for you as a post return of the jedi story it did both really, really well. Which it worked really well for the Tales of the Jedi Hyperspace War because I had read that last year and that was really fresh in my head. And yeah. so while I was reading it this year, I was really able to visualize everything and that helped really, really well. And as a post-Return of the Jedi story, like I said, I liked this a lot because I had played the Jedi Academy game a couple of times yeah. and I really, really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the character of Jaden Core. And Paul S. Kemp got him right. Like, yeah. Even you know, there's a little bit of the "Are you going to be good? Are you going to be bad?" But not, not quite the same as an RPG. And so it's really well handled, and I really enjoyed both aspects yeah. of it. I, I guess the advantage, perhaps, that that Paul S. Kemp has had here, bringing Jaden Core from game to book over. Drew Carpetian's experience trying to bring Re- bring Revan from game to book is, is Jaden probably had more of a, a set character in the game, I guess, than Revan might have done in his game. Would that be true? Or he did. It was more of a, like the Force Unleashed. You did have an alternate ending if you like stabbed the bad guy when you weren't supposed to. You get the bad guy ending. Fun game. I've got the switch port of the game just waiting for the right moment. So I, I think I'm going to try to squeeze that in sort of in a chronological run through some stuff. It sort of sort of takes this rightful place in the story for me. Um, I like I, I really enjoyed reading about the Great Hyperspace War. Um, it's it's a rare treat to, to get that dealt with in prose. It, it, it made me want to read more prose set in that period and sort of unpack that whole conflict more. And I guess well, for me with the post-Return of the Jedi stuff, I've enjoyed this both times I've read it, even though my knowledge of legend stuff, post-Return of the Jedi, is very sparse. 
you know, uh, I, I've read stuff up to about the Jedi Academy trilogy, you know, and that's it. Oh, wow. So certainly the first time I read this a few years ago, I had no idea. Well, that would be really kind of wild. But Kemp's a good writer and I was able to, you know, it, it didn't matter. You know, I cared enough yeah. about Jaden and, and, I, and I was given enough about Jaden's story that I, that I cared immediately. And, you know, I was I was vaguely, you know, I, obviously I, I knew who the, the references here to people like Mara Jade Skywalker, but I knew who these people yeah. are, obviously. Um, and, yeah. and while I might have been missing the immediate context of what had been going on on Corellia at Central Point Station, et cetera, et cetera, the book gives you enough that, you know, it's possible to enjoy Definitely the story as, it doesn't as you come to it. really spoil too much. No, and, uh, no. I, I mean, I, I know, I know either. somebody important. I know somebody important is dead. <laughs> um, but I, you know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there, there are a billion, a billion one other ways I could have been spoiled for that anyway, at this stage, you know, these, these some yeah. of these stories are, you know, 20, 20, 30 years old. Um, I guess, the one weakness of this for me, and I don't know if, how, how you feel about this, Jesse, is the sort of the coincidence of it all. You know, for me, when I was when I was first reading it, and even as as I was rereading it because I'd forgotten quite a lot of it actually, I was sort of expecting Jaden's vision uh, and what he found on that remote moon to tie in somehow to the imminent arrival of Sayers from the past, or or to tie into the lost tribe of the Sith that maybe he was going to find out something on the moon about those guys. But but where that story on the remote moon went sort of felt slightly disconnected from this cataclysm from the past colliding it, with the it, present. It, it's kind of a red herring that leads you to Riptide. Yeah, exactly. So it's this massive coincidence that Relin and Sayers arrive from 5,000 years in the past at that moon at that point in time, just as Jaden is responding to a totally unconnected force vision that's going to lead him off on this other journey. And, and I guess... There is this sequel in Riptide where, that follows up on Jaden and his journey, but I, I guess that still won't really address the fundamental sort of weakness for me that of the cosmic coincidence that occurs in this novel. <laughs> the cosmic you know? force is really strong in this one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, as yeah. with everything, I guess you just have to squint a bit and say, oh yeah, it's a, the, the force willed it so, oh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but um, It's a big galaxy, it, it, could happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I agree with you. There's a lot of coincidence to pop yeah. up right there. At the there. end of the day, you, you've got to swallow the pill that somehow they time-traveled 5,000 years. And if you can swallow that, you can swallow the coincidence, you know? One thing about the time travel that I really liked that we didn't actually get to is um, Raven didn't care. He's like, okay, we're in the future. I don't want to know anything. And Seiya, <laughs> yeah. he was trying to find his place in the present. And the yeah. Sith you know, that was kind of interesting that the Jedi didn't want to know what was going on and that the yeah. Sith was like, I'm going to make my place now. And they were very, yeah, he, he, they needed to know a little Sith bit more it. with that. Yeah. He's like, okay, well, if the Sith Empire still exists in some form, I'm going to find them and I'm going to make myself useful and use this lignin crystal that I've got in my hold to barter my way to yeah. power. Uh, and if they don't exist, yeah. then I'm the chief Sith in the galaxy. Yeah. Wahoo. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, and you're right. Relin is like, I don't want to know what's happened in the last four or five thousand years. Yeah. All I need to do, is I don't want to know. I don't care. That, yeah, I need to get over onto yeah. that ship and kick Sayers' ass. Um, because yeah. he, he he's <laughs> on his own little journey towards the dark side himself. At that point, you know, he's just like, yeah, oh, he's he falls blood. before the end of the book too. Yeah, 
Doesn't really. Um, but, but but that's exactly part part partly that, and this is the way in which it sort of does nicely tie up and form a satisfying arc with Jaden's character. Jaden, I think, needed to see that. He needed to see Relin going through that to help himself realize, I'm not that guy. You know? Yeah, I don't want to go there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, as much as it is a co- cosmic coincidence, there is sort of narrative satisfaction in it. <laughs> if that makes any sense, yeah. you know. That makes perfect sense. Cool, cool. Okay, well, I think that's going to wrap us up for that, Jesse. I, 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 yeah. I, I feel like All right. we still haven't done it justice. It's a really good book. No, there's so uh, much more to talk about. Yes, I know. But um, I, I, when I was taking notes, I was like, oh, crap, we have so much to talk about. Well, you know what? And I think that's we got okay most of because it. Because we're, we're going to end up talking about it again in three or four years' time when we get oh, back to uh, whenever we eventually get to that point in the in the legends timeline so but then we'll have forgotten all the things we've already said we'll, we'll have to re-listen to this and um and find and find new points to make which i'm sure we will all sure. right that's gonna wrap us up uh for another episode of legends in 15 minutes jesse it's been a pleasure as always um where can folk find you if um if you want them to find you online uh you can find me at my, on Instagram is usually my happy place for Star Wars, Legends Twin Sun 1980. Fantastic. Uh, and of course, folks can find me on Instagram as at Journals of the Wills, uh, also on threads. Uh, I am on Twitter slash X. Um, and I, you know, I'm on there so infrequently, I realized that actually my username on there is different. <laughs> I'm on, on Twitter. <laughs> X, I'm, I'm actually at journals wills because at journals of the wills was too long, I think. Um, and uh, there's also a Star Wars book community discord, which if you're interested in joining, reach out to us and we'll, we'll get that link over to you. You can reach out to the podcast team as uh, at SWBC podcast on, on all the usual social media channels as well. Um, Legends in 15 minutes. We'll be back in two weeks when we'll be talking about Tales of the Jedi comics, in particular that original Tom Vetch run of 93-94. Uh, next week, there'll be a new episode of Canon in 15 minutes where we look at the new Canon era in publication order, and we'll be looking at the often overlooked Luke Skywalker tale, Heir to the Jedi. Uh, in the meantime, it's goodbye from Jesse. Right, and of course we will do. And it's a goodbye from me. Thanks for listening, folks. Thank you.